Hey, I want to I want to say thank you uh, specifically to uh, Ryan and Des for their leadership over this time. Just done an awesome job in keeping everything going and instituting some fresh things. And <laughs> there you go. And then uh, just uh, the the Council of Elders for continuing the work. Uh, all of our staff, uh, all of the volunteers, everybody. It just, it's been wonderful. I've been watching online. That's been fun. It's really a new experience for me. And I want to say to the, those of you who are watching online, I understand when you need to do that, but I'm telling you, listen, there's nothing like being in person. There's nothing like being in the house. And when you have to do it out there, it's okay. I understand. But boy, there is such an importance to being with people. And doing this together, where two or three are gathered in his name. Now, you can do that in your home. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You can do that. But there's just something that takes place when we allow ourselves to be together. So I encourage you, if, if you've just gotten in the habit, but there's really no need for it, come on back. It's time to get home, right? All right, today I want to talk about three things we know will be true in 2022. Three things we know to be true in 2022. Well, I don't know, I think I can speak for pretty much all of us. When we, when we got to the end of 2020, we all took a nice deep breath and thought, ah, finally it's all over, right? No more COVID, no more lockdowns, no more masks. It's 2021 is going to be this phenomenal year of just acceleration and going after things and nothing's going to stop us in 2021. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. It didn't in my life. I think it didn't in yours either. We're still dealing with COVID. You know, a year later, we're still facing that kind of thing. But we had this, this great expectation and a lot of that was we were just so weary of, of the thing in 2020 and it's all understandable, and we had that great expectation, but it, it, it didn't fulfill its expectation. So now we're here in 2022, and um, I think it would be true to, to say that we have limited our expectations a bit, yeah. right? Our optimism is not quite at the highest level that it was at the beginning of 2020 because we faced some realities in 2021 we were not expecting. And it's not, it's not that we don't have hope, and we do have great hope, it's just that what we believe to be true that's going to happen, kind of dial that down a bit. Yeah. Am, I, am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. I, think I, I think that's pretty much most of us, and that's yeah. just a reality of life that ha- hits us at times, and it's kind of narrowed some of that. So what I want to do starting today, and then we're going to talk about this again next week, is... I want to lift our expectations uh, by lifting our eyes to that which we know will be true in 2022. Sometimes we so focus on what we don't know, what we're afraid of, what we're concerned for, that we get so locked in that we can't see what God can do and we we need to raise our eyes. I I know I've used this illustration before, but I think it's so appropriate for this year. uh, years ago, um, our next door neighbor had a had a basketball net uh, in front of their house out on the sidewalk, and their boys they had several boys, and they would come out and play basketball during the day. And I remember sitting out on the porch one day, watching uh, the youngest of the boys tossing the basket the basketball up to 
to shoot his basketball, kind of like from a free throw line. And every time he'd do it, it, it hit the rim and fall to the ground every single time. And uh, his brother, his older brother was watching that. So his older brother saw his, his dilemma and went over and cranked the, cranked the backboard down so it would be shorter for him because he was just a little guy. And I thought, I was, I was, with, the, I was with the big brother. Yeah, let's, let's make it easier for this guy because he's, he's got to, you know, he's limited. And so uh, I thought that this will help and now he'll be able to have some wins. You know, he'll get that, that ball in, in that basket. But then... It's, it stunned me when I watched the boy again. Every time he'd shoot, it hit the front of the rim and fall to the ground. It never would go in the basket, even though the basket was lowered for him. And I realized that it's not a matter of how low the goal is. It's where you're looking that matters. That that young man was looking at the rim, not above the rim. And when we look at the rim, we're just, we're just going to fall short time and time and time again. But if we lift our eyes above the rim, then the, the ball goes above the rim and into the basket. And what I, what I want to do as we start this off, Ryan did a, a, a great job last week of talking about God's a, a anticipation for this next year, that it's about drawing us close to him. And, and I'm, I'm all for that. And that's exactly what it is. So as we look at this new year, I want to I pull our eyes above the rim. So that we live above the rim. And we have expectations that are above the rim. And we watch God do, do amazing things through that. Now, I don't know what 2022 is going to look like. I really don't. And neither do you. And, and uh, I'm not speaking this morning. I'm not declaring a prophetic word into the house. Uh, I'm not a prophet. Uh, I can prophesy. I can hear the Lord and I can declare what he's saying. I can do all of that. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not trying to, to declare a prophetic word in the house. I'm just talking about some specifics, some practice. Don't you, don't you just love being practical with God? Yeah? Thank you, Ray. Um, and so I want to talk about that. And, and uh, what I am going to declare today is, is what... We can absolutely, positively, without a doubt, be sure of in this year. I'm going to talk about three things. That no matter what takes place in 2022, governmental legislation, economic realities, uh, whether what the Congress looks like at the end of the year, what, you know, what the president does, what our environment is like, what the political environment becomes, no matter what happens in our world, these three things will still be true. We can count on them. We can take them to the bank. We can stand firm on them. We can live with certainty according to them. And in every other way, we can bet our lives on these three things. So I'm going to talk about those three things next week. <laughs> Done. God bless you all. Just have a great week. I love to build anticipation, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about these. So we're going to go into Romans chapter 8. And uh, Paul, in, in this chapter, what a wonderful chapter this is. You can, you can bet your life on chapter 8 of Romans. And I encourage you to take this week to just, just meditate on, on that chapter. Take every day and just take some of the verses and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about those things. 
and by the way, this is a really good book. A friend of ours wrote it. You can bet your life on it. All right. So I encourage you to be in it. But Paul talks about several things in, in throughout the chapter. When he talks about the spirit of God that's in us, that is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's pretty cool, huh? Uh, he talks about the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that we have that has made us free from the law of sin and death. Another pretty cool stuff. Uh, he talks about uh, that we're adopted. We have the spirit of adoption uh, that allows us to call him father. And not only that, we have an inheritance with the son. Just pretty crazy stuff. I, I, I can tell you're getting really excited. We have the hope, he talks about the hope we have in Christ, the life we have in Christ. Uh, and then he talks about God's commitment to make everything that we go through pay for our good. Amen. I love, that's one of, my, one of my life verses, Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that all things work together for good. So he talks about all these things. And then in verse 31, he comes to a summary. And he, speak, he, he summarizes everything that he's just been writing about. So I'm going to read that beginning in verse 31. We're going to go through verse 39, right to the end of the chapter. What shall we say to those things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we, he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Are you getting the picture here? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it's written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. That pretty well covers things, doesn't it? And then he goes on, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us. By the way, do you know that the devil is a created being? So he fits in this, right? Nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. There's a, there's a ton there. There's a lot more than three things, but I'm going to focus on these three things this morning. And I'm going to tell you what they are right now, and then we'll just kind of explore some things around those. Would you like to know what they are? All right, me too. One is, the first thing is, number one is God is for us, not against us. The second thing is, we will face challenges, trials, problems, troubles, and we'll have to deal with them. Am I encouraging you yet? The third thing is we win. So let's go back to number one for just a moment. And I want you to say it with me. For God is for us and not against us. Say it with me. God is for us and not against us. Now, let's make it personal. God is for me and not against me. 
God is for me and not against me. All right. Now, you need to say that to yourself all week long until you believe it, right? The second one is we will face challenges, difficulties, and troubles. Now, I'm not going to have you repeat that because you already believe that. You don't need, I don't need to convince you of that in any way, right? None of us are, are of that, you know, pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. Nothing's bad going to happen this year, right? <laughs> but the third one is we win. So say that with me. We win. <clears throat> now say that with me. Personalize it. I win. Now why do we know we, we win? Because of number one. Right? We win because of number one. What is that? That's right. Good for you. Man, you can remember 30 seconds later. I'm encouraged. So let's talk about about that. How do we know that God is for us, not against us? Well, it's right in that passage. It's because he's already proven it. He's already done it. He gave his son for us all, right? And, And the good, the bad, and the ugly. For every single person on the planet of the earth, God gave his son for them. And it it says in other portions of scripture, when we were yet sinners, in other words, when we were separated from God, when we were divided from him because of our sin, because of who we had become and rebelled against God, when we were in that condition, when mankind was so lost it could not be found, Jesus died for us. It's in the middle of that condition that he, he died for us. So he proves that he's for us and not against us, right? Uh, he, he not only died, but he rose again, which is really an important part of this thing because it's not just about forgiveness, it's about life. And, he, and he, he rose again so that we would have life and that life begins now. It's not something that's just after we die. I'm thankful that it is, but it's not just then. It's so that we can have life in this world today. <clears throat> and, then he's, and then it goes on and talks about the fact that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Jesus is sitting with the Father. And let me say to you, he is not trying to convince the Father not to kill us. <laughs> He's not trying to convince the Father that we're worth saving. The Father already knows that. That's why he did it. But what it is, is the three in one sitting around together, advancing our destiny. They're working towards our good. That's what that talks about. It's, it, again, it's not Jesus trying to convince the Father that we need to be forgiven or that we have a future. Scripture already tells us, I know the plans I have for you. So it's a part of partnering together with us to advance the destiny of our lives. So if, he, if he's going to do all of that, you know, if he's going to do all of that, then why would he now be against us? Right? If he's going to do all that, he's already proven this, that he's for us. When we're at our worst, he's for us. And so he's not going to leave us when there's a little bit of problem. So, so what does this look like that he's for us and not against us and that we're going to win? How, how does this look? I want to say that there's not a moment, there's not a millisecond that God gets distracted. He doesn't get, there's no, there are no oops moments with God. Right? 
He, Ryan said this last week. He, he said to the, I don't know if it was last week, maybe it was week, one of the other weeks you were talking. But he, he, he says to the disciples, go to the other side and I'll meet you over there. And then they get in the middle of a storm. That wasn't like Jesus, oh, oops. I forgot about the storm. And God doesn't have any oops moments with you. It's not like he gets distracted in the moment. He says, how did this happen? I can't figure out how this happened. God, weren't you paying attention? There's no of those moments with God. He, he doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get put off guard. He doesn't, you know, he's not caught by surprise. You look, man, you guys are really interesting looking from this perspective this morning. It's been, it's been three months since I've seen you like this. We took, yeah, you took showers. Good. <laughs> so did I. First one in three months, but this is good. He's positioned himself to never leave us and never forsake us. Right? There's not a millisecond in your life that God is not there. Do you understand that? This is so powerful. This is what being for us and not against us looks like. There's not a moment that he is not walking with you. He gave us the Holy Spirit, the one who walks alongside of us. And he's not going to, you know, my dog, Cooper, gets so easily distracted on walks, right? I mean, it's just everything about everything is where he, she needs to investigate. Well, that's not God. He doesn't get distracted. He has purpose, and he has purpose for you, and, he's, and, he's, and Jesus is the right hand of the Father saying, we're going to make this thing happen. <laughs> so what this means is we're never alone. In any circumstance, any condition, he pays attention to the crown of his creation, that's you and me. I mean, if he knows the very hairs on your head, the amount of the hairs on your head, if he can count those, then he's a God of detail, right? For some of us, it doesn't take as much detail as others, but it's, it's there. And the older you get, the, the, the less responsibility he has, right? <laughs> But if he cares about that kind of thing, if he cares that the, the single sparrow that falls to the ground and he notices that, how much more is he with us that he died for, right? But what, you know, what about the what ifs? They're like, what if I fail? Will he still be for us? Well, let me say, first of all, what if I fail? You will. It's not our goal. Right? It's not our goal. Turn to somebody and say, it's not your goal to fail. <laughs> that was not an accusation, by the way. But it, you, you will. We will have those times where we're just not the sharpest pin in the, in the box. We're you know, just not, not going to happen. But is he still for me? Absolutely. And he's for you because he wants to make possible the restoration of that failure. He wants to use that thing for your, your advancement and not for your, de- your destruction. So he's absolutely for you in those times. He is no less for you when you fail than when you think you succeed. Did you hear the way I said that? When we think we succeed. And we do. 
But our evaluation of things, right, is, is really limited. You know, we think, man, that was, that was, I nailed that thing. And God's going, nah. <laughs> he did good. <laughs> but when, no matter what, where we are in that spectrum of absolute success to absolute failure, there is not a moment in that spectrum that God is not for us. Now, those of you who have never failed, that doesn't mean a whole lot to you. The rest of us, it means something. When we're at our worst, he really is at his best towards us particularly. You think of Peter. What's the worst thing you can do is deny Christ, right? You can deny that you know him, that he's even a part of your life. You just absolutely deny him. And Peter, sitting at the Last Supper and saying, "I I will stand with you no matter what. He's declaring his absolute allegiance to Jesus. And at the first test of a little woman little servant girl who has no authority, right? He wasn't having to deal with somebody in authority that could actually hurt him. The servant girl who says, I know you, you're, you're with that man, Jesus. And he, oh, I don't know who you're talking about. Three times, three times. And yet you will not find a moment in scripture that I can find where Jesus talks to Peter about his failure. He doesn't do it. He sees him in a couple of occasions. And he's just telling the disciples, fear not, I'm with you. I have risen from the dead, it's me. All of those things. And then then there's this scene in the latter part of the book of John where uh, Peter is 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 anxious. He's He's not seeing things move like he should. He's, he's concerned. Because he's, I, I have this feeling about Peter that every time Jesus shows up, Peter is expecting this lecture on his failure. And every time he comes out, okay, Jesus is going to address it now. Now he's going to address it. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus loves anticipation too. And so now Peter is frustrated and he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to what I know. And he gets in a boat and he goes and he gets out on the water with some of the disciples and they don't catch anything. And then they see a man walking along the shore and it's Jesus. They don't recognize him at first for who he is. And, and Jesus yells out, do you have any fish? And they go, no, we, we haven't caught any. Well, cast your net on the other side and you'll catch fish. Do you know what Jesus is doing in that moment? He's taking Peter back to that moment. When Jesus showed himself strong on Peter's behalf, when they couldn't catch any fish, and he said, go back out and catch and do it again, and an amazing miracle happens, and Peter comes and falls at the feet of Jesus, right? And Jesus says, you're no longer fisher of fish, you're now fisher of men. Jesus was taking Peter back to that moment, and they realize it's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat swims to the shore, and then all the disciples come, and when they get there, Jesus already has fish on the fire, right? He didn't need their fish, but he was showing himself strong on their behalf. He was taking them back to remind them of who he was and who they were, who they really were. And so then he's sitting there, and they're they're chatting. doesn't really say what they're chatting much about, but they're talking, and they're eating fish together. And Jesus turns to Peter, and you can imagine Peter in that moment. 
Here it comes. Here it comes. I'm going to get it now. And Peter says, Jesus said, do you love me, Peter, more than these? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I do. Jesus said, then, then feed my lambs. What was he doing in that? He does that three times. There's some, there's some subtleties in the language there that are really important, but I'm, that's not the point this morning. What is Jesus doing? He's restoring a man. He's not condemning a man. He's taking that man, he's, 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 identif- he's reminding him of his true identity. And he doesn't even address his failure. Did his failure have consequences? Sure, it did. You can imagine Peter dealing with that all the rest of his life. But Jesus restored him. Jesus hanging on the cross... And everybody around him, except for his mother and John, a few of the followers of Jesus that are weeping at the cross, the rest of them are soldiers who could care less. They were more concerned about his garment, being able to take it and use it financially. All the government leaders that had condemned him, there's Peter somewhere out there, who had rejected him three times. And everybody else, and what is, his, what is his word? He does not address what they've done wrong. He just simply says, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. When we are at our worst, he's at his best. And we can know that God is for us and not is against us because he's, he's not looking to call up our sin. He's not looking to call up our transgressions. He's not looking to call up our failures. He's looking to pr- promote us into greater destiny. And, and you know, it's interesting. Um, here's another what if. What if bad things happen to good people this year? They will. They will. Um, and it's not because they slipped off from being good people and they suddenly became bad people, therefore this, ca- this happened to them. In this world, Jesus said, you will find tribulation, right, that's right, that's right. trouble, yeah. circumstances that are against you. You will have failures. You will have certain situations that will bring sorrow to you. That's why the scripture says we sorrow not as those who have no hope, doesn't mean we don't sorrow. We're going to have places of sorrow. Right? Okay, you with me? All right. So what about that? Does, is he now no, no longer not for us? No, he is for us in those moments. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. In other words, establish your life on hope because I, Jesus, has overcome the world. The world cannot overcome you, though you may be battered by the world, you will not be overcome by it, because I am in you. See, that's, that's the point. And Paul didn't say, when you do everything right, then God is for you, and you win. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Aren't you glad, husbands, for your wife, that that's the truth? Husbands, 
Well, speaking of, did you introduce, did you talk about this thing coming up? I, I don't have the, the stuff on it, but I think it's really important. I'm going to do a, a little sideline. Okay, can I go? We have coming in February. What's the date? First weekend of February, 5th, uh, on Saturday morning, uh, Shannon and Nancy Schreier, dear friends of ours, been friends of ours for about 13 years. We've, Deb and I have ministered in their church um, many, many times. Uh, they're tremendous, tremendous people of God and, and can communicate beautifully. We're going to do a Saturday morning, 9 to noon. Uh, what are you calling it? I know, it's, obviously, I've been out of the office, right? But I know about this. It's empowered marriages, empowering your marriage. Okay. So it's going to be just three hours of uh, question and answer and teaching and principle and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be amazing. And I really would like to see you there. Uh, and if you're, if you're single, uh, this is, that can still be for you because the principles of relationship carry across lines, you know, it carries across. And I think it'll be helpful to you too. And we'd love to have you there. We'd love to have your perspective in the room. So uh, that's the 5th of, of February. We do ask you to register, especially if you have children. We will have child, child care and uh, infant care, children care. So for all the kids, <laughs> I don't know the language anymore. Um, so, but we do need to know that you're coming with your children. So we would like everybody to register. And listen, I'd like you to just do that right away. Uh, we'd love to have every single one of you here for that. It would just be an amazing time. Uh, and then they'll, they'll be ministering on Sunday morning also. Uh, you'll love these guys. Uh, you've seen them here in the house at times probably. They come to a lot of our events. And they were a couple, just to give you a little background, they, they were a couple that um, when... Amy passed away. This would be almost 13, be 13 years ago this uh, June. Uh, we had just met them. I don't believe we'd even been to their church at that time, though they had invited us to come. They'd read my book, Decisions That Define Us, and were so impacted by it, they, they contacted me. I was actually walking through a, a, a coffee shop in Reading, and she was sitting at the thing, and she said, uh, are you Dave Crone? I said, yeah. Would you come over here, sit with me for a minute? I said, we didn't. That's how we connected. And, uh, but they had, we, we had not really built a relationship, but they heard that our, our daughter had died and that we were having a, a service here on a Sunday morning. They drove out. They came all the way. From, they live in Utah. They came all the way and were here on that Sunday morning to be with us. That's the kind of people they are. So you're, gonna, you're just going to love them. They understand relationship really, really super well. So I, I'm not, I don't have any any recollection as to why I started that, but is that okay? So, so please come, no matter if you've been married, you know, two days or like Deb and I, 50 years, doesn't matter. Just, we can all learn, right? In fact, I'm discovering, well, let's not, let's go there. (laughs) Enough said. Paul, Paul didn't say when everything goes the way we want it to go, then God is for us and not against us, right? In everything, in every way, he is for us and he's not against us. And because of that, we win. Period, exclamation mark, it's done. 
When Jesus said it's finished on the cross, this is part of what he's talking about. I'm for you and I'm not against you, so get over it. Right? Get over yourself. Desert, you know, bring on the mind of Christ instead of the mind and thinking of the world and even your own, your own mind at times. Take on the mind of Christ because he's already finished this. So I'm just going to end, end this with this this morning. I want you to repeat something after me. You've heard me, you've probably have heard me say it a few times, but I, I, it's just something that, that lives with me daily. Everything God is. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat that because I said it wrong. Though I've said it to myself a million times, I said it wrong. Am I going to fail in 2022? Everywhere God is. So where is that? Everywhere. Good answer. You didn't even have to call a friend on that one. That's awesome. So every, say it again. Everywhere God is. Everything God is. So what's that? Everything he is. And what is that? I mean, that's. You know, you can't describe that in a moment, obviously. Everything of his character and nature, who he is and what he empowers and all of those things, that's everything he is. So everywhere God is, everything God is, is present and available. Say that, is present and available. So now let's say it all together. Everywhere God is, everything God is, is present and available. Those are the facts, Jack. That's the truth, Muth. It's going to take me a while to get back into this preaching thing. (laughs) So here's the thing. His goodness is aimed at you because everywhere he is, everything he is, is present and available to you. His faithfulness doesn't wear out. His love is never up for negotiation. His peace is available in every storm. His hope will never disappoint in hopeless situations. His grace is more, say it with me, is more than enough, right? His peace is available. His grace is enough. His mercy is available and new every morning. Every morning. We've got these flowers in our, in our garden that in the summer they are amazing because they're, they're called Mexican petunias. Yeah. You got to buy these and you got to plant them. They're amazing because every, every morning they pop out with these beautiful flowers. And overnight they all fall off. They, they, don't, they don't shrink down and then open back again. They all fall off. And then every morning they're there again. Aren't that, isn't that incredible? I love this. I just go and stare at them, you know? It's like his mercies new every morning. You don't have to count on yesterday's mercies for today's problems. Because it's brand new for you today. Man, I used up his mercy yesterday. I don't have any for left for today, you know. No, it's new every morning. It's a Mexican petunia. His strength exceeds our weakness. In fact, it grows stronger as we become weaker. His wisdom is ours for the asking. His joy is our strength even in our mourning. His healing is available. I mean, it could go on and on and on. He is for us and not against us. 
And in every test and challenge and every misstep we make this year, we still win. Because he is for us and he's not against us. And it goes on to say we're more than conquerors. And that's what I want to talk about next week. What does that look like? What does it look like to be more than a conqueror in the world we live in today? Because it's more than just simply defeating the enemy. There's an unto. You know, the woman, the woman who sees a bear attacking her child is not so concerned about killing the bear as saving the child, Amen. right? As giving life to that child. So she may have to kill the bear to save the life of the child. But she doesn't give a rip about that bear. Amen. We defeat the enemy, not just so he's defeated. He's already been defeated anyway. That's right. That's right. But we defeat what he's trying to do in us, not just so we can stand with our sword in our hand and say we did it, but so we can move on to destiny. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that next week. How do we do that? How do we live in 2022 as more than conquerors? But I want to end this way. I want to ask you to stand. Uh, I've read this before and it's it's in one of my books but uh, I think it's so appropriate as we face this year and what it means you know Paul writes here that he's persuaded he's absolutely convinced that nothing can separate him from the love of God and I was on I was on a plane coming back from the Philippines and uh, I started chatting with the Holy Spirit about how, in fact, my question with the Lord was, how do you see fail, loss and failure? Two things that we all deal with, loss and failure. And I was thinking specifically for me, it was the loss of our daughter and you know, that kind of stuff. And then failure, just mistakes we make and all that stuff. An interesting conversation with him that was, was really plain. Uh, and I really felt like I was hearing the Lord real plainly and He said, I'll talk to you about loss in a moment, but what I first want to talk to you about is failure because I need you to understand that I never never look at you in the context of failure. I never look at you in the context of failure. I look at you according to my value for you. And that's what we've been talking about this morning is he is so for us and not against us. And as I processed that on that flight, I began to write down the times in which God loves us, when he demonstrates his love to us. And it became what I call a letter from God. So I want to read it to you. If you're here this morning, and I'm just going to encourage you to do an exchange. Exchange the things that are uncertain for the things that are certain. Don't live in the uncertainty of this world and what we're dealing with today, but live in the certainty of Christ, in the certainty of what he's done for us, in the certainty of the fact that he is for us and not against us. So I'm going to encourage you to do that if you're a believer here this morning. If you're not a believer, if you're someone that you just know your, your relationship with the Lord is not what it should be, you just kind of either you've never really known him or you've walked away, I just want you to grab hold of what I'm going to read right now. Are there consequences to our failures and our sin? There absolutely are. Absolutely are. And if you don't know Jesus, you're going to continue to walk in those consequences. And I want you to do that. I think there's so much, so much greater for you. So I'm going to invite you to receive Christ this morning too. But, but I want you to listen to how much he's committed to you in his love for you.
This is a letter from God. I love you always. I love you when you're happy. I love you when you're sad. I love you when you're laughing. I love you when you're crying. I love you when you win. And I love you when you lose. I love you when you're up. And I love you when you're down. I love you when you're good. And I love you when you're bad. I love you when you're generous. I love you when you're stingy. I love you when you're right. (laughs) And I love you when you're wrong. I love you when you're innocent. And I love you when you're guilty. I love you when you succeed and I love you when you fail. I love you when you pray. I love you when you don't. I love you when you obey. And I love you when you don't. I love you when you try. I love you when you don't. I love you when you care. And I love you when you don't. I love you when you're kind and gentle and self-controlled. I love you when you're angry, unkind, and out of control. I love you in the springtime, summer, winter, and fall. I love you in the sunshine. I love you in the rain. I love you where you've been. I love you where you are, and I'll love you where you're going. I loved you before you were born, and I love you now. And I will love you forever. I love you always. And always means always. Letter from God. I want to encourage you, everybody you meet today is a person that God is for and not against. When you go out of here and you stop by the store to pick up something for lunch, you go by a restaurant... Or you go home and in your home is a, is a son or a daughter that has just been a challenge. Know that God is for that person, not against them. So how can we set ourselves against them? we we'll talk about this next week. God is for you. He's not against you. He loves you. So exchange today what you don't know for what you do know. Exchange the unknown for the known and live in that. That's part of what Paul is writing when he said, you know, think on these things. So let's do that this morning. But I want to give an invitation to those of you in the room that you really, you want to you, you want to give your life to Christ. Because the God I'm talking about is not, is not a philosophy, it's a person. And he really does love you, and he really wants to restore you to full place in your full identity. The world has stolen your identity, and he wants to give it to you back. He wants to give you back who you really are. This amazing, wonderful, destiny-purposed man or woman that he has for you. So I'm going to ask you right now, everybody bow your head, please. We only do that because I want, I want those who really need to respond cannot feel like everybody's looking at them, okay? 
So I'm going to ask, though, if you're here this morning and that's you, you, need, you want to come to Christ. You, maybe you've, you've known him at one, as a child, you've known him at some point in your life, and you've just kind of walked and done your own thing, and you're just feeling the tug of the tug inside of you that says, I need to respond to this. And you don't even know really what that means. I, I get that. I get that. But if you raise your hand here in just a moment, we're just simply going to pray for you. And what you're doing by doing that is saying, I want to be a candidate for God's love. That's what you're doing. I want to be a candidate for God's love today. So if that's you in this house this morning, if, those, if you're online and you're sitting in your living room and your, your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle or your, you know, one of your kids said, I want you to sit down and listen to this this morning, and you're in that room, you, you may not need to raise your hand, but just in your own heart, raise yourself. Let the person around you know, yeah, that, that's me. So if that's you here this morning, would you please raise your hand just say, Dave, would you just pray for me? I, I want to say I'm a candidate. I'm a candidate to know a fresh deposit of the love of God. I want that in my life. I want to I yield myself to him totally, completely. It's not that you're a bad person. <laughs> he loves you. He's for you. He's pulling on you right now and drawing on you. So, Father, I pray for those online and those in this room right now who have this desire, this hunger to come to know you. And I just pray for a fresh revelation of who you are to just overwhelm them. Come into the room where they are. Come into the space internally where they are and begin to touch and heal and restore and bring forgiveness and healing into that life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, it's so good to be back with you this morning. We love you. Just know you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. Hey, listen, be praying for the people who are dealing with this COVID thing right now. We have some, we have some loved ones, relatives that are in hospital. And uh, we just, uh, just want to see victory in those things, right? Uh, we win no matter what. We win no matter what. But we want to see some wins right here. I love what David said. I, I would have been dis- despaired if I had not seen what? in the land of the living. The goodness of God in the land of the living. He wasn't talking about heaven. He was talking about right then, right now. We want to see that, right? We want to see that. So we contend for those things. So please do that. Uh, ministry team, if you'll come forward, please, and, and make yourself available. If you need somebody to pray with you, if you're, um, for whatever reason, healing, We've seen great miracles take place in this house. We'd love to see a miracle for you, your finances. You just need somebody to agree with you in prayer. This is available to you. I'm asking you again to just be, be cautious of people around you. You know, be, be aware of their needs. And let's, uh, let's win today, right? Because he's for you, not against you. I love you so much. God bless your ministry teams down here. Please make yourself available to them. If you'd like them to pray for you, they'll stand as far away from you if, they, if you want them to, or they'll lay hands on you. It all depends on what you need and what you want. Okay? We love you. Anything else, right that we need to let people know of? Okay. Next week, we'll be talking about how to, how to live in this, next, in this year as more than conquerors and what that really means. All right? God bless you. I love you so much.